0: Woodlands Metro is a special place in our hearts and uh, this is a really significant time in all that God is doing among you as a church and particularly as we launch this next stage of church growth. And so, uh, let's say, I feel really stirred about it and really sense it here tonight. Uh, we want to sense God by his spirit really bringing a fresh sense of commissioning, anointing as we launch that. So we're going to look at a passage in a moment in in Galatians chapter 5, but these are the four things. There's lots I want to pack in tonight, so hold on to your seat. It's a kind of launch pad, so uh, um, it's just that sense of really catching God's heart for this stage, this significant stage in church life. So the four things we're going to try and touch on as we go through are, hopefully coming up on our screen, it's a new launch, it's a new commission, it's a new year, and we're praying for a new anointing want to cover all four of those things and what that really could mean for each of us tonight one of the great things as philip and others have mentioned is that going to the two services gives lots more opportunity for different people to be serving but one of the lovely things about metro has been a sense that everyone everyone is a minister you're all part of it and when we think about launch it's really a sense of how, what's my part in that how can i be sensing something that excitement of this launch so whenever you launch something if there's always a kind of um, you know particularly you see a rocket standing there on the launch pad and just to get it off the ground when it's been standing still just needs an extra boost they call them booster rockets that really just get it going so tonight you want to sense something of that holy spirit boost that real sense of a fresh gush of god's spirit stirring us for what lies ahead so linked with each of these four new launch new commission new year anointing will be these four things we want to sense god's renewing and here they come a renewed vision a renewed strategy a renewed life and renewed synergy in that last one particularly with what I sense prophetically God is saying for us for this year as a church across the Woodlands group of churches which is great to have Metro as part of that what is it God is speaking into our life as church at this time and when we come to that last one we want to sort of sense something of that prophetic word as we look for that new anointing so that's where we're going to go tonight hopefully we'll try and get through all of those and by the end of the evening I want to sense a real active way in which we just commission and open to God's anointing as we do that so here goes we're going to take um I think the passage in 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 Galatians chapter 5 and in these four verses we're going to cover all four of those ingredients amazing how scripture as you unfold it brings those truths together so reading from Galatians chapter 5 but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace forbearance kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Father, we pray now that you would come by your Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We just want to sense that Holy Spirit boost to this launch, Lord. It's not us just trying to muster up some more energy and effort but that real initiative from heaven, your spirit stirring us for what's in your heart at this time. Help us to sense now, Lord, that new launch and with it, a renewed vision in Jesus' name, amen. So the first of those is a new launch and a renewed vision. And uh, just those words, but the fruit of the spirit is, and we'll touch on that in a moment. So. One of the most effective ways I feel often of launching something new is to sense fresh vision. It's vision that I think ultimately um, motivates us, inspires us and stirs us. It's not just a a special plan that we've outlined of what we're gonna do over the next few months and how we organize it, but how we sense from heaven a real sense of fresh revelation. I've always found in my own life that it's, it's that fresh revelation and vision that stirred me to do things or to go places or to say things. So I'm going to go back and just give that bigger picture. 40 years ago, over nearly 40 years ago now, I remember um, on Brecon Beacons, I was spending a week and uh, particularly a time week of prayer. And I'd gone up for the day of the Brecon Beacons and was really praying and sensing what God was stirring in my heart by we of vision for this city of Bristol. And as, as I was stirring and it was really it wasn't I had a lot of plans or anything like that, it was just really being open to God as to what he was saying at this time for the church in the city. And I really felt God asked me a question, as it were. And it was a much bigger question than I was even thinking about. It was, Rob, what would be your plans for reaching the whole world? That great commission of Jesus. Go and make disciples of all nations. And I was thinking, but Lord, I, I'm just thinking about Bristol. God said, No, I want you just to think, think as it were well for the more. How would you how would you go about? What would be your strategy? What would be your plan? What would be your vision reaching the whole world? I thought, goodness me, this is 40 years ago. In those days, there were 5 billion people in the world. That's 5,000 million people. I thought, goodness, that's a big, big plan, isn't it? So I thought, well, I suppose I would go for 5,000 strategic centres, each with a vision reaching a million people. That's the whole world. I thought, 5,000 is viable. I could bring together 5,000 leaders and a sense of vision for each of those areas, what it would look like to be able to do that. And I thought, but... 5,000 centers, that's going to be Tokyo and New York and these big cities. I thought, wait a minute, no. For Bristol, I mean, in those days, Bristol was part of Avon, which was a larger regional area. And in Avon, there were one million people. And I thought, no, if, am I going to reach those million people? It would be Bristol I want to look for as one of those hubs, one of those 5,000 hubs in the world to be able to reach the whole world. Strategically, I want to sense for Bristol. What would it mean then? How do I reach that region of a million people? And then began to think, well, how would I go about that? So, you know, if you're from Bristol and you're visiting Newcastle and somebody says to you where are you from, you say Bristol. But if actually you in Bristol here at We the Curious or down at Cabot Circus and you meet somebody out shopping and they say where are you from, you tend to then say, well, I'm from Filton or from Clifton or from Cottom. It's what we call wards, areas within that area. And normally they're around about 10,000 people. And I thought, really, my million people, is all I need to do is reach 100 areas each of 10,000. That's my million. And I'm reaching the whole world. I'm thinking, how would I go about that? Now, I'll come to that further in a moment when I come to strategy. But the vision was of how to see that kind of reproducing of the life of Jesus. What is this to reach out and have a vision for reaching every home, every family, a light in every street? What it was seeking to do is to reproduce the life of Jesus. That key to fruitfulness is about reproduction. If you take a piece of fruit, let me just take an apple, cut it to the core. Do you know what you find at the core? A set of pips, seeds for reproducing the next apple. So at the very core of any fruit is actually, it's built for reproduction. In its heart, in its center is the seeds to reproduce. But here's another key that nature has some amazing lessons to teach us. You know, if you've got an apple tree that's going to produce that fruit, that reproductive fruit of an apple, do you know what happens first? Well, they call it apple blossom. You know, the apple, without the blossom, you won't get the reproductive fruit. In fact, it's the key to the reproductive fruit. And yet, you don't eat the blossom, but the blossom has a fragrance, has something very attractive, very beautiful about it. And here in scripture, we need to understand that the key to that reproductive fruit is, first of all, to understand the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, goodness and gentleness. This expresses the very life of Jesus. He personified those fruits. If you were to look at Jesus' life, he actually says, each of them at different stages. So he says, you know, my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full, that my peace may go with you, like the wo- peace the world cannot give. So the fruit of the Spirit is an expression of the life of Jesus. So if I want to reproduce that life of Jesus, how do I bring that fruitfulness of reproduction? That real sense of seeing new life in Jesus constantly. And the key to that fruitfulness often is to have that sense of vision for what God has for us. The second one builds on that. In the second one we go on in this next slide to think of how that we have a new commissioning and with it a new strategy. Now... If you are led by the Spirit, each of these scriptures come from the Galatians 5 passage. So strategy is not just about human planning. It's divine initiative. It's sensing God's God's purposes. And so for Jesus, he gave the Great Commission. Those final words of Jesus on earth were the commission. And in that commission was a strategy to reach the whole world. It wasn't five billion in those days. But it was how to be able, within a generation, to be able to reach the whole world. And Jesus gave that strategy in the great commission. It was very simple. It was, you go and you make disciples of all nations. You baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. But in that simple phrase, here was the strategy. It was that you go and you make disciples. Each one, reach one, and teach that one to reach another one. We have different ways in which we give expression to that. So whether it's, uh, we have here, find, love, follow, serve. So even if you're tonight, suppose you're tonight, there's someone here, and you, it's all new to you, first time at Metro, even the whole thing about Christianity is new to you, but something's brought you along and you're interested. Suppose tonight, before the end of this evening, you were to hear something of that vision, think, ooh, I want to be a follower of Jesus. What would be the next step? Suppose I were to say, Look, it's been great to see you become a Christian tonight. I'm going to invest the rest of this year just with you. Whenever we get an opportunity, we call it sometimes mentoring or discipleship, and it Metro, there's an opportunity for everybody. And in that year, I'm going to spend a whole year just helping you to grow as a Christian. Because when you just become a Christian, like being born, the Bible actually speaks about being born again, Just you've got to learn to eat, you've got to learn to walk, you will got to learn to grow. But you disciple that person, you think, But well, Rob, wait a minute, the whole world you talk about reaching. This is me spending a year with one person, you're not getting very far without you. Well, it may not seem like that. But by the end of the year, I've so discipled that person, I'm reproducing the life of Jesus. So at the end of that year, that person is now able to find, love, follow, serve in reaching another person and helping them to come to know Jesus and become like Jesus. See, say, but Rob, that's just four of you now. And the next year, it might be eight of you. And the next year, it'll be 60. Now, be careful, those of you who are mathematicians. But let me tell you this, within one generation... If you kept doubling, you'd reach the whole population of the world within one generation. So when Jesus gave that strategy, each one reached that one, teach that one to reach another one, and keep reproducing that life. This was the strategy, and it's key to so much in our lives. What it means to be able to reach out, and to come that good life of Jesus. And so with that strategy, going back to our million people, in what was then Avon, and this Bristol region, as it where we call it at times, is how do you then go about that multiplication? And even in church growth, so for us at Woodlands, part of that strategy at times, been when you grow, well, what's the next step? So at Woody's, some years ago we got to a stage where on our Sunday evening we were actually packed, no more space for anybody. And so what we felt and stirring about was, why don't we plant now what we call another resourcing church? So our vision has been to seek strategic resourcing churches around the city, each of which are constantly like hubs reaching out and multiplying those communities. And so we eventually birthed what was called Metro, which became you hear. here. But at the same time, we were also struggling with our Sunday mornings. So Sunday mornings were also full. So there we did a, another strategy. In fact, it was a time when we were just about to, to build a, a little foyer on the front of, which is that little glass frontage of, of because we were going to multiply our services. In fact, we were actually then changed up so for our Sunday morning. We moved, in fact, from being a 10.30 service to a 9.15 and 11 o'clock service. Sound familiar? So that was what we did as part of that strategy. So our strategy has been in reaching those million people to see how we develop resource churches that constantly grow. And within that growth are also multiplying that service, the opportunity of more people to be able to engage in how we do that. It's great to hear someone even saying tonight, I say to them about a friend of theirs, is unable to be here tonight, they're in fact on shift, but it's great from next week, in fact, they'll be able, whether on night shift or day shift, to be able to come out at five o'clock or seven o'clock, so it's a kind of new opportunity, you know, and, and, and constantly we'll find new opportunities that come with that, that whole strategy of how we see in growth and the challenge of, comes with that. But a new year and renewed life, And that sense again of what does it mean constantly be seeing that new life in the spirit, seeing people born again of the spirit of God, constant desire, all heaven rejoices, you've heard me say before, there's a wonderful truth, Jesus himself said, you know, every time someone becomes a Christian around the world, all heaven rejoices. I've often said, and as much as somebody's becoming a Christian every few minutes around the world, I'm not sure how long they rejoice for, but I guess by the time they finish rejoicing this one, there must be continual rejoicing in heaven about people becoming Christians. That's what it means to know something of heaven on earth, is catching something of that spirit of new life. Constantly seeing that new life in Jesus. And so every month it's wonderful to see folk become Christians and to be baptising across the wooden Group of Churches. It's a real challenge because in our Western world in our UK, church growth is still a constant challenge. What is it to be part? So for those 40 years since that first vision, every year we've seen that wooden Group of Churches grow and see that new life in Jesus. And some amazing stories. Even this past year, lots of stories. Just one of them, if I tell you, because it illustrates also that strategy too. So... Um, Last year, uh, we had an amazing work among the international students called BISC. That's the Bristol International Student Centre. If you get a chance of being involved with it, hosting or helping, it's a great opportunity meeting folk from all around the world. So in October, we had the international reception at Woodlands. It's an amazing event in the city. So the mayor is there. We invite the vice chancellors of the university. 700 students, every continent of the world. We did an alphabet call of A to Z. Every letter of the alphabet was there from Albania through to Zambia. Every letter. An amazing opportunity. And... Linked with that, I'd heard there was a student from India who I was really keen to meet. So I was up this, this particular evening and they said, oh, well, actually, Navin, his name was. Navin, if you're ever listening to this tape, I'm telling you a story now. i would be delighted for me to tell it. So I said, oh, I'd love to be able to meet him. And um, so I met him that evening. What was really amazing was he was not just from India, and I had a real interest. I used to go to India each year. But he was from a group of people that I'd really continued to have a real involvement with because these were the poorest people on the planet. They're known as the untouchables, the Dalits. Now, these really are the equivalent of the leper in Jesus' day, the untouchables. And they're an amazing group, over 200 million of them. But the poorest group of people, people group in the world, really the downcast of no value, literally uh, the scum of the earth in India in that society. Now, what was amazing me was I'd never met a Dalit who'd ever been outside of his state. Alone outside of his country, and to come to university seemed almost amazing. So, I couldn't wait to meet him, and he told me his story. I said, "Well, how come you was a Dalit?" He said, "Well, I managed to get into a school locally where they were giving some places for Dalits, and I got a scholarship from the Indian government. Eventually, I got to to come here." He told me a story of leaving and coming. So he left home. In fact, it was such a big thing in his people group that when he got to the coach station to leave, it wasn't just his family there. There were 300 people all to wave him off because it was the first time he'd ever seen anybody go outside of their state to university, and particularly overseas. And so he came. He left his state, went up to Delhi, first time outside of his state. He gets to Delhi, and at Delhi he got the tickets. Part of his scholarship was the tickets to be able to come to England, a ticket to bring him down to Bristol, the university here. And then he went to another department to get his scholarship money to be able to come. And they explained to him that they they couldn't give him the money yet. It would take a few weeks before that came through. Wow. He didn't have a penny. But being a Dalit, always underdog, he, he dare not question it. He didn't even say anything, to them, he didn't have a penny. So he went out of those India offices, he managed to get eventually half walk and eventually got to the airport. He got a flight to Heathrow, and with his ticket that brought him down to the bus station here, he came to Bristol. About a penny. Nowhere to stay. Nothing to buy food with nothing. For seventeen days he never ate anything, just drank cold water. Can you imagine that? Eventually a student up at the student student there gave him a sandwich because he was took him. He'd never ate a sandwich in his life. He was a dally and he ate roughs, kind of uh, what we call rice with kind of meager things with it. And he sicked it all up. They called an ambulance. They took him down to the, the BRI at Bristol. They were gonna give him an introfusion, they were gonna die of starvation. This is here in Bristol. It was amazing, start to it all. And then somebody from BISC visited him in hospital and eventually helped him and he came out. And here he was at Bisque, where Bisque was giving him some food each day and helping him as well and provided some shelter for him in one of the hostels. I said, oh, I'm loving. I said, it's amazing just to hear your story. I said, we'd love to be able to Why don't you come for supper to us? And I promise you, there'll be no sandwiches. And, and anyway, so he said, a Wednesday evening. I said, there'll be a lot of other people there. Actually, we have the big supper on a Wednesday evening. I said, we call it an Alpha Supper. <laughs> and so he came on Wednesday evening to Alpha. It was as the... Alpha is an amazing course in kind of exploring the meaning of life, but explaining something, the base of the Christian faith. Remember, here's a Dalit. He's from a Hindu background. He never, ever heard the gospel, never touched a Bible, never really had much real close contact with Christians. And here he was an alpha for the first time in his life hearing the good news about Jesus. He was sat on the front row on the left-hand side. And it seemed there were a lot of people there, maybe a 100 or so folk. And uh, as we went through the evening just talking about faith, I usually take that fourth one, which really explains about what it means to have faith, how we can take that step of faith, what it is to have faith in Jesus, who he is and what he's done for us. By the end of the evening, I really felt a stirring to give an opportunity for folk there and then to respond, to actually become Christians, to take that step of faith. And one of the first ones to do it was Navin. I prayed a simple prayer for folk to farmers. as I prayed and then after just to indicate they'd prayed the prayer so I went across to Navin as we finished about to go for coffee but I thought I'd better have a quick word with him before he goes because this is all so new to him I said Navin I said that was wonderful to see you responding tonight he said you know it's all so new to me I'd never heard that before he said but I just felt inside I really wanted to take that step of foreign jeez i said that's wonderful i said let me just make sure i explain to you i said i've only got a few minutes before you go to group so let me just it's like an abc i said you know you want to be simple but not simplistic it's so profound yet so real so wonderful it was meant to be for anybody i said you know the a is simply to admit i said you know in your western world now here in our society you'll find everybody makes excuses for everything no one admits it's their fault. It's my upbringing, it's the government, it's my environment, it's everybody, but not my fault. When we come to God, it's about saying sorry, really being willing just simply to admit. The Bible calls it repentance, turning around. I said and then to believe that Jesus, as the Son of God, loved you and gave himself for you. He, at each stage, he nodded his head as if it was like all revelation and truth. And I said then, see it's just simply to commit your life to him. I know we've prayed that prayer, but I just want to pray it with you now, Navin, because I want you to actually voice it aloud. So I just prayed just a phrase at a time with him. Oh, God, I'm sorry for all the wrong things I've done in my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for me. I believe now, today, that I can know you as my Savior, and Lord. I now ask you to come into my life by faith. And as we prayed, and he prayed and said amen, and he said such a strong amen, And I said to him, Navin, welcome into the family. And He said these words to me. He said, you know, I have never felt so loved in all my life. There's something about the love of God. But, you know, each one reach one and teach that one to reach another one. Navin, just before Christmas, just a month ago, went back home, finished his course, went back home. I was trying day and night to WhatsApp him just to find how he got on. Eventually, I got through. I said, "Never will to come?" He said, "No, Robbie, it's been amazing whirlwind since I got back. Three hundred people said farewell to me. There were six hundred to welcome me. They did a parade right the way through my town, just welcoming me back because they'd never ever had anybody who'd been to an overseas university." He said. He said, and he invited me to every school in the town. So every day, I go to every school to tell him my story. He said, Rob, would you be free three o'clock tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon if I were to do a WhatsApp video with you and I'll fill the house with people who want to hear about Jesus and what it's become. So here I am. It took me about three attempts. Eventually I got through on my, on my mobile. It was just before Christmas. Uh, and here I am seeing them all packed into his house. This poor little house. He must have had 50 or more people all packed in and around the courtyard outside, just packed in. Uh, and, and first of all, he wanted to say hello. And I said hello to them and they, they could see the Christmas lights behind me, asked what they were. So with my camera, I took them. Round, to show the decorations explained it was christmas etc and then navin said robert could you just tell them about jesus i said i'd love to be able to tell them here he is only just a christian yet each one reach one teach that one to reach another one this is another part of the world it's the key to reaching our world and so I said, I'd love to. I said, you know, it's about this Christmas story. It's the message of God's love. That God so loved the world that he gave. He so loved every Dalit in the world that He gave his one only Son. That for everyone, even every Dalit that believes, they might know that gift of God, which is eternal life. And as I finished, oh yeah, just a few minutes, they all clapped as it were and listened with absolute interest and my next day one with um, Navin again was, Rob, when can you do your next one? <laughs> but it's that sense of how we're reproducing that life of Jesus. Something so contagious that we just can't hold it in. There's something so powerful and so amazing about this good news of Jesus. In fact, it's that as we start this new year, it's about renewed life. what it is to live by the Spirit and sense the Holy Spirit producing that new life in Jesus. Our final one, we come just to this last one, which is about a new anointing and a new synergy. Particularly, I want to sense tonight a fresh anointing for all that lies ahead in this next season for Metro. And synergy is the word, prophetically, I felt God speaking for this year, for 2020. I felt God, this word particularly, and it's linked with this verse in Galatians, the last verse that we read tonight. It says this, keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. A synergy of life whereby everything in life, whatever I'm doing, even now at the beginning of a new year, decisions I've got to make, it may be decisions about relationships, about finance, about my studies, about my work, about my family, everything, everything. What is it to be in step with the Holy Spirit? For the early church, this was key to their life. Whenever they met together, had to make decisions. It said it seemed right to us and the Holy Spirit. There was a synergy around it. It wasn't just what's right for me, what I want, what I'm going to have, but a synergy whereby constantly I'm sensing was to be in step with the Holy Spirit. I don't know how many have, how many of you've ever done a three-legged race. You know, you tie two legs together. I'm sure your school sports thing or something like that, even if you weren't doing it mum and dad. The idea is you tie your leg with somebody else's leg and you then have a race. The trouble is you sit down to tie your legs together. When you get up, often folk fall over because you put this leg forward and they put that leg forward. And the first thing you will to do is try and get in step, in step, so you're actually moving in step together. And there's something about that in our spiritual life, about being in step with the Holy Spirit. Every step of my life, every decision I make, everything I do, What does it mean to keep in step with the Holy Spirit? To sense that synergy, that resonance. You know, it's amazing with the Holy Spirit. I I, I take another example. uh, It's not a a three-legged race, but how many of you here have ever sat on a swing or pushed somebody on a swing? That should be most of you. If you haven't yet experienced that, you haven't. Set up a little swing for next week. So you know with a swing, the amazing thing, you swing about there and somebody's pushing you on the end of a swing. So what happens is you go right out there and you come back there. You're just about getting to the edge. You're not going to go any further. And then they give you another whoomph. And you go up again. You go a bit higher than you went before and you come back. And just as you get to the edge, you can't go any further. Whoomph. And it's that sense sometimes of God's spirit. Those times we get to our edge, to our extreme, to our limit, to where we can. And we sense that fresh touch of god's spirit that fresh move of god's spirit and i suppose with a swing you might say but rob you eventually get it you go you tip it Oh you no, but this is a heavenly swing the ropes go right the way up to heaven you never get to the end you just it's all you do is get higher each time so what is it to be that sense of resonance we're constantly in our life even those times when you feel as if oh rob i've got no energy left. It's got to the end but that's fresh touch if you hear i do feel very much that sense that word about launch about boost that fresh touch of God's spirit, that fresh anointing for what lies ahead. Some may say, but Robert, I struggle. I'm struggling in life at the moment. I'm going through a difficult time. I I can't think about kind of launch and commission and fresh anointing. It's enough for me just to survive. And sometimes we can feel sometimes if we're not worthy of it because things have gone wrong in our life. we made bad decisions or somehow we've been hurt and we struggle. But one of the amazing truths about the kingdom of God is with God, you never lose your value. You're always of infinite value to him. You say, but Rob, I feel all screwed up inside. You may do, but you never lose your value. If I just take a, if i so I've got one, I might need to borrow one tonight. I, yeah, I've got one. Just a piece of paper, really. I don't know in this light what colour it might look to you, but it should look blue. Um, and it, it, I'll give you a little clue. It's got the Queen's head on one side, and it's got Adam Smith on the other side. That should be enough clue. There's a number up in the corner. What do you think the number is? How how What's the value of that? Help me. £20. £20. Any shop you go into, they might stick it under a scanner, but it's worth £20. Just that bit of paper. Well, at least it was. Now, don't be too shocked what I'm about to do, but I'm going to screw it up so tight that it's just all screwed up. There we are. Now, what's it worth? 20 But it's all screwed up. But even screwed up, it doesn't lose its value. And in your life, even though you've been going through testing times and you felt at times screwed up, you never use your value. God always we're have infinite value to him. In fact, just recently, a few weeks back now, I was going through some old papers and I found this old poem. And with this I'm going to close. You can tell how old it is. It's a bit of a torn up piece of paper now. But, um, and in this poem, it just catches something of that sense of never losing our value in God's eyes, and how that fresh anointing of God's spirit, that fresh touch of God's spirit, can bring with it a new anointing. So here it goes. It's called The Touch of the Master's Hand. It's a really old poem, even the language sometimes. So even the opening thing is, "'Twas battered and barred, scarred, and the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while. It's an old violin that somebody has found in their loft, to waste much time on the old violin. But he held it up with a smile. What am I bid, good folk, he cried. Who'll start the bidding for me? A pound, one pound, two pound, who'll make it three? Going for three. But no, from the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. Then wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening the loosened strings, he played a melody, pure and sweet, as a caroling angel sings. The music ceased. And the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, Now what am I bid for the old violin? And he held it up with a bow. A thousand pounds, who make it two? Two thousand, Who'll make it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice. Going and gone, said he. The people cheered, but some of them cried, We do not understand. What changed its worth? Quick came the reply. The touch of the master's hand many a person with life out of tune and battered and scarred with sin is auctioned cheap to a thoughtless crowd much like the old violin another pint, one more bet, he laughs and he travels on, he's going once and he's going twice, he's going and almost gone but the master comes and the thoughtless crowd can never quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that's brought by the touch of the master's hand For every one of us, you are of infinite value to God. When we look at this really exciting and significant next stage for Metro, this launch, this commissioning, this new year, this sense of a new anointing, my prayer tonight is a fresh anointing, a sense of a fresh touch of God upon our life. You may feel the strings have got rather loosened and it's a bit dusty and things have gone bad in your life, but when the Master touches... When there's that fresh anointing. It's amazing what God can do. So that's how I want to close tonight. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for all of you. So if tonight you'd love to sense just that fresh anointing, that fresh touch of God's spirit on your life, and I hope for all of you that will be true tonight. Just stand where you are now, and I'm going to pray. And I'm going to invite Philip and Kate to come out and just join me out here if they can. So Philip and Kate, if you can just come and join me. And what we're going to do is, um, it would take me a little while if I went round. i got my little cruise of anointing oil with me tonight. So if I were to go around you all and anoint you, that'll take me most of the evening and most of my oil. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just anoint Kate and Philip as leaders of Metro. And then I'm going to get them to join me in praying over you for that fresh anointing for all that lies ahead. So let's pray together. Just reach out your hands, firstly, towards Kate and Philip as I pray for them. And then they're going to share with me in praying for you. Father, we want to sense something of that holy moment. We want to sense a fresh launch, Lord, a new launch, a new commissioning. As we start a new year, Lord, we want to sense a new anointing. For Metro, Lord, it all that lies ahead this really significant next stage of growth, of multiplying. Come by your Spirit, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. And I pray now, Lord, here. I pray for Kate, Lord, as I anoint you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I pray for you, Philip, as I anoint you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Grant to these your children, Lord, even here now, stood in your presence a sense of a fresh commission that's linked with that great commission of reaching the whole world, what you're wanting to happen here in Bristol. We sense, Lord, there's a window of opportunity in this city as we build this city as a city of hope that's beyond the opportunities that other generations have known. There's something very special happening at this time, Lord. We feel that Metro is at the heart of that. Come now. Grant, I pray, a fresh quickening of your spirit a fresh touch of the Master's hand, a fresh anointing in Jesus' name. Amen, Lord. Amen. Now, Kate and Philip are just going to reach out over you, and you just this time move your hands from them to just receiving from the Lord. Just open your hands and you're receiving from the Lord as we pray. I want to pray a prophetic word that God has given us for this city at this time about building Bristol as a city of hope. I want to pray prophetically those words now. God of hope, fill each one of us in this next exciting stage for Metro. Fill us with all joy and peace as we trust in you that we may overflow with hope. Hope for this city, Lord. Hope for this church. Hope for the future, Lord. That we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh God, even now, where some of us have been out of step, out of tune, help us from this night, to keep in step with your spirit. In Jesus' lovely name, amen, Lord.